why Ohio State has some of the finest coaches in America. It's time for you to recognize and appreciate. Coming up on Locked on Buckeyes, I'm your host, Kyle Lamb. We will discuss the success of Ohio State football, basketball, more awards, honors, some great coaches. I'll tell you why Ryan Day is so great, why Chris Holtman is so great. Ohio State basketball doing something that's not revolutionary, but why the Buckeyes basketball team is now ahead of the curve. Also, I will look at the college football playoff semifinal matchups. Who has the advantage? I'll tell you what the analytics say. Lock on Buckeyes is part of your favorite podcasting platform. Find us on Apple or iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or simply say, play Locked on Buckeyes on your smart speakers. We are brought to you by JFQ Lending. All of your mortgage and refinance needs should be handled by a Buckeye license in 33 states and more on the way. Check them out at jfqlending.com. So there will be another banner day of recognition coming for Ohio State football. We have had so many of these lately, but there's another one coming in the way and means of the Heisman ceremony next weekend at the Downtown Athletic Club in New York City. It was announced Monday evening that Joe Burrow, Justin Fields, Chase Young, and Jalen Hurts will be your Heisman finalists attending the ceremony in New York. That is two Buckeyes in attendance. Three, if you'd like to count Joe Burrow. I know many of you do not want to count Joe Burrow because, hey, this is his second straight season playing for LSU. He left Ohio State. I get the argument against. I personally count him as a Buckeye because, well, he does have an undergraduate degree from the Ohio State University. So for me, he counts as a Buckeye, will always be a Buckeye. He will always be an alum of the Ohio State University, no matter how you slice it. He has said this. He continues to root for Ohio State. He is a Buckeye through and through. I count him as a Buckeye, three Buckeyes in the Heisman ceremony next weekend. But, hey, I'm not here to argue that point. We do know that we have two Ohio State Buckeyes on the current roster that will be attending New York. That is the first time that has ever happened for Ohio State since 1973. We actually have a outside shot here, depending on the final results, of seeing three Ohio State players in the top six of the voting or top five of the voting. J.K. Dobbins will not be attending New York, but I actually expect he'll be fifth or sixth. Jonathan Taylor of Wisconsin, maybe five. If it's not Taylor, then I think it'll be Dobbins. But this doesn't happen very often, by the way. Back in 1995, uh, Eddie George, who won the Heisman, and Bobby Hoying finished 10th. That's the last time that Ohio State had two players in the top 10 of the Heisman voting. 1973, John Hicks finished second. You had uh, Archie Griffin finishing fifth and Randy Gratishar finishing finishing sixth. So this is a very, very rare thing for Ohio State to have two Heisman finalists out of the top four and three out of the top five or six. 1973 was the last time that happened. But we seem to be talking about this so much. Ohio State is has had an amazing last week. This is a great recognition. We start with the Heisman having two players at the Heisman ceremony and you're going to get a third because of the all the attention that Joe Burrow will get 
from transferring from Ohio State. They're going to be talking about that, his time at Ohio State. That is going to be a storyline in the Heisman presentation. This will be a huge recruiting tool for Ryan Day and his Buckeyes. An absolute monster advantage. And it comes off one of the greatest week of Ohio Ohio State athletics in history. When you think about Ohio State thumping Michigan a week later, beating Wisconsin for the Big Ten title, and then being rewarded with a college football playoff bid. Ohio State basketball team going on the road to North Carolina and thumping a top 10 North Carolina team, and then thumping Penn State this past weekend and being rewarded this week with an AP number three ranking. The Ohio State women's basketball team knocking off the number two team in the country, Louisville, at home last week. You've got... Men's hockey, number six in the country. Women's hockey, number five in the country. The wrestling team is number three or number seven in the country right now, depending on which poll you want to use. It is a great time for you to be a Buckeye, to wear your colors proudly, to fly your Ohio State flags on your porch. What a great time for Buckeye Nation to flex its muscle. And this is a kind of a good time to also reflect on men like Gene Smith, who I realize there are many reasons to criticize him in the past. But look at what this man has done as far as running the athletic department with all of the non-revenue and revenue sports alike. The success of these programs and the Olympic sports. Ohio State basketball, a great hire with Chris Holtman. Trusting Urban Meyer's choice to hire Ryan Day, calling him elite and having the foresight to put the put Ryan Day in charge of this football program. I'm going to talk about Chris Holtman here coming up in the third segment. We'll talk a little basketball because there is a common theme here. We are seeing detail-oriented coaches who just get it. Chris Holtman understands this program. Ryan Day understands the program. It is insane what Ryan Day has accomplished through 16 games as a head coach. Remember, he had three games to start last season. He's 16-0. They've outscored opponents 802-225 in those 16 games. That's an average of 50-14. 6-0 to start his career against ranked teams. Remember, I said back last year when Ryan Day was hired, the biggest thing I wondered if he could replicate relative to what Urban Meyer accomplished in his coaching career was the insane stat where Urban was winning over 80% of his games against ranked teams. Well, so far, Ryan is off to a great start at 6-0. and And in those six games, they're outscoring the ranked teams 240 to 110. That's an average of 40 to 18. He still has not had a game played in the single digits in his first 16 wins. He's outscoring ranked opponents by 22 so Ryan Day, Chris Holtman, these are great coaching performances right now. And Gene Smith gets all the credit in the world for being able to evaluate and recognize great talent, great personalities, great character, great leadership. Gene Smith, I think, does not get enough credit for those facets of his job. Sure, he has made mistakes There are some things that 
you just kind of roll your eyes how things were handled in the past. But I think he deserves some credit. And I think Buckeye Nation, it's time to look at these accomplishments. And again, go wear your colors. Go boast them proudly. Stick out your chest a little bit. It's okay to be a little bit confident, maybe even a little bit cocky. We'll get into that here in the next segment. I, I think there are reasons to be cocky. I think Ohio State, I'm not guaranteeing victory because we know the road ahead for Ohio State is very, very tough. Clemson is a great team. Even if they get by Clemson, they've got LSU or Oklahoma both capable of knocking off Ohio State. I am not trying to guarantee victory in this playoff, but I am saying there are reasons for you to be just a little bit cocky about this Ohio State team. I think you've earned it a little bit within reason. Don't be stupid. Don't go trolling Clemson fans saying they have no shot. Keep it within reason here. But man, Ohio State, basketball, football, women's basketball is up and coming. Maybe maybe it's not this year, but in the next year or two, they're going to have it rolling. The hockey programs, both men and women, have been already been very good. You know what wrestling is about. Wrestling has been one of the top three programs in the country the last few years. So there is so much to love. Ohio State has it rolling. The Heisman Trophy ceremony is going to be an Ohio State infomercial that can only help recruiting. And they've already got plenty of that going on. The next two classes are going to be out of this world. I think Ryan Day has his program going in the right direction. Nothing stops this train, to quote the great Heisenberg from Breaking Bad. Coming up next segment, Nerd Alert. We'll get into some hardcore stats as I dissect the tail of the tape in the college football playoff. I did my own talent evaluation of the four college football playoff teams, which is to say I engrossed myself in the numbers, the analytics. It's a lot more fun that way. I like doing the math rather than watching film because, you know, you can watch the games and have your own bias, your own opinions, formulate your own uh, expectation over how a team might play when they face off. But I like to pour myself into the numbers in addition to watching because sometimes I think the analytics, if you dig deep enough, they can tell you something that you didn't see with your eyes. You, you can't process every play that you're watching. And let's be honest, even a hardcore football fan is not going to watch another team every single game, every single play of the season. So you're going to miss a lot of intricacies that you're not going to pick up. And the analytics help catch some of those things that you missed. What I like to do is I like to look at a matchup not just the raw numbers or the aggregate numbers. I like to do per play, per game, and I like to see how they match up against the opponent's averages. Because it's one thing to say a team averages 45 points a game, but are you doing it against good defenses, great defenses, terrible defenses? That's what I like to look at. I think the committee's job here was to get the four best teams. In this particular case, they probably got it right. It was made easy for them because of some of the teams that lost. You could argue Alabama was a top four team when Tua was healthy. We'll never really know. The Alabama love is all theoretical. They were playing really well. They were blowing out opponents opponents before Tua got hurt. Now, he, he did lose, or they did lose with Tua in there, 
to LSU. And that's my complaint about Alabama. Is It is theoretical because they lost to the two best teams they played. And they didn't even play that well defensively when he was in there. So all we know is they may have been a top four team, but the best win that they had was a community victory, Texas A&M, a team that was everybody's best win. Okay, not really, but they were probably three or four teams' best win, which makes you wonder if they're really a good team if everybody beats you. And that's the problem with Alabama. They were a so-so defense. They didn't beat anybody. I don't know if they were top four. So long story short, the teams that we had to choose from because of the way the games played out, the committee probably got it right this year. It was gift-wrapped. I could go on and on about the putting LSU number one. I promise I won't do it every show. (laughs) I might keep my complaining to a minimum, maybe once a week, just to get it out of my system. I do think if you look at the committee protocol, it specifically states it's the four best teams, not the four most deserving, the four best. And if you look further into the protocol, it actually states that you only are supposed to take into account strength of schedule, head-to-head, championships won, profile, resume, all that stuff is only supposed to come into play if you have two very similar teams and use as a tiebreaker. So if you actually follow the protocol, Ohio State should have been number one in this college football playoff. But you know what? I'm not too worried about the actual result. I'm more concerned with the principle that I discussed yesterday. It's the foundation and the protocol that I'm concerned about that they're not following and needs major work. The actual result, look, at the end of the day, LSU gets to play Oklahoma. Some people would say that's an advantage for LSU not having to face Clemson. Do I think Oklahoma is as good as a team as Clemson? No, I think Oklahoma is a worse team. But that offense is really good. Jalen Hurts, CeeDee Lamb, that offense is really explosive. They could outscore people. Clemson can too, but I don't think Clemson has as good of an offense. And I I said yesterday, I think their defense, although really good, I think it has some matchup advantages for Ohio State that haven't been haven't been exposed yet because of the weak schedule that they've had through the ACC. I think there are some vulnerabilities there. The small defensive line, the linebacker play has been so-so. They don't have as much talent on the defense as they've had in past years. So I really like Ohio State's matchup here. I, I know some people are freaking out and concerned with the matchup against Clemson, but let me start here, okay? When I look at these teams... Compared, let's start with scoring offense compared to basically how many points the teams score relative to how many points their defense is average giving up. You've got Ohio State at 24.4 points better than the defenses allow. Clemson is 14.8. You look at same thing, net scoring defense, Ohio State 14 points better than the opposing offenses, while Clemson is 18.2 points better. So that gives Ohio State about a net of around six-point advantage. You look at yards per play, which is a pretty good measure of what's going forward, because you have to remember, with scoring offense and scoring defense, you get things like 
pick sixes, fumbles for touchdowns, special teams, touchdowns, punt returns, kick returns, blocked punts. There are some little things that add up over the course of a year that kind of mess with the scoring offense and defense numbers. So you can't take those as, as gospel. Yards per play tends to uh, correlate to future success with scoring a little bit better than points per game. So let's look at the offense. Net yards per play, which is how many yards per play you average relative to how many your opponents give up. Ohio State is 1.7 yards per play better than the opposing defenses they played. Clemson is 1.4 yards better. Defense, Ohio State also 1.7 yards better than the opposing offenses they play. Clemson is 1.6. So when you look at it from that perspective, what from yards per play, which I think is a better measure of success going forward, Ohio State has a slight edge relative to the competition they played in this game. And as I said, there are things like rush defense that can break down in the extremes. Clemson has not played a good rushing offense all year long. They're a smallish defense. I think Ohio State's front or offensive line could potentially bully Clemson's front seven in this game. So at the end of the day, I think Ohio State should have been the number one seed. But I also think Ohio State may or may not have had to go through Clemson no matter what happened. And I think the matchup is more advantageous for Ohio State in this game than some people are saying. I actually don't think Trevor Lawrence and the Clemson passing offense is as prolific or dangerous as LSU or Oklahoma. Now, that's not to say that I'd rather play those teams, but I'm saying if you're truly worried about the secondary picking apart or being picked apart by a quarterback, I actually think right now Hurts and Burrow have a little bit better odds of doing that. They've been a little bit more dangerous with the downfield passing than Trevor Lawrence, believe it or not. So I like this matchup for Ohio State. When you look at the other matchup, just to go through a couple of those numbers that I mentioned, LSU-Oklahoma, scoring offense, LSU 20 points above their opponent, Oklahoma 12.5, scoring defense, LSU about 6.7 better than their opposing offenses, Oklahoma about 3.5. They're very, very close in, in yards per play. Again, some of those scoring numbers can be misleading. LSU and Oklahoma both 28 zero yards per play above their opposing defenses. LSU 0.8 yards defense above the offenses they played. Oklahoma 0.7 yards. So Oklahoma LSU on paper has a chance to be a very terrifyingly close matchup, in my opinion. I think what people are missing about this LSU team, if you watch them against Georgia closely, People are talking nationally about how great and improved their defense looked against Georgia. Let me tell you something. Georgia was without their running back, DeAndre Swift, who only had five touches in this game because of injury. They were without their best offensive receiver, Lawrence Cager. They were without the second best receiver for the first half, George Pickens. And despite their three best offensive players missing large stretches, if not the entire game, They were still running free in that LSU secondary. They had so many wide-open receivers. Either Jake Fromm missed a lot of wide-open throws 
or the receivers couldn't catch the ball because they were down to their third, fourth, and fifth wide receivers. Any competent passing game may have picked apart that LSU secondary on Saturday. Jalen Hurts, as long as he does not turn the ball over, and that's that's a big if right now because he's been fumbling and throwing interceptions like crazy. But if he does not throw, if he does not turn the ball over, Oklahoma's offense is very dangerous for LSU. That could be a fun game. The Oklahoma defense has actually been playing better lately, more so than LSU's defense, just showing up one week against a mediocre offense and suddenly calling them good. Oklahoma's defense actually has stepped up. So if I'm LSU right now, I'm on upset alert. I actually like Oklahoma plus 10.5 in this game because I think Hurts and that offense is going to get give LSU secondary the fits. Remember, LSU struggled with mobile quarterbacks. The guy for Ole Miss, that run game for Ole Miss, they tore LSU up. I like Oklahoma. I'm not saying go bet on them, but if you do place a friendly wager just for entertainment purposes, I might look at that Oklahoma 10 plus 10 line and, uh, you know, put a few bucks down in the direction just for entertainment purposes only. Anyway, the point is, though, those are, this is what the analytics say about these games. Ohio State, I think, should have been number one. But at the end of the day, they've got to go out and they've got to beat these teams no matter what. It's not really a huge deal. I think they are going to get get it done. We'll talk a lot more about this matchup in the coming weeks. But I like where Ohio State stands. I think the analytics say Ohio State is the best team out of this group of four. And I think you're going to see that starting December 28th. Just my opinion. Coming up, third segment, Chris Holtman is the man. I'll explain what the Buckeyes are doing to put them ahead of the curve in college basketball. I was discussing in the first segment how thankful you should be to have Ryan Day, Chris Holtman, as the head coach of your Ohio State football and basketball teams. And I heard something being discussed on the Chris Holtman radio show on Monday afternoon in Columbus that I think is a testament to the meticulousness of Chris Holtman. And I know some of you are probably laughing at that term when you think about it because it, it, it speaks to something John Rothman of CBS Sports says all the time. Chris Holtman, more meticulous than a forensics officer. And he really is meticulous. And he was discussing on his radio show how they track, monitor, track, and manage the sleep patterns of their basketball team. That means every day their basketball players throughout the week have to wear a one of those sleep monitors that measures their heart rate, their blood pressure, how much sleep they get, what time they fall asleep, all of those things. And they use this information to make sure that they're optimally fresh and ready to go, that they're getting enough sleep and that it's not impacting their performance on the basketball court. Now look, sleep patterns in itself, like with major college basketball and college football, this is something that's not new. It's not revolutionary These staffs, especially when it comes to training and and conditioning and support staffs, they've been aware of the impact of sleep has on performance for a long time, and it's been something they're cognizant of. So this is not necessarily next-level stuff, but for a program to detail this as much as they're, they're going 
as much as Ohio State is doing right now, for them to pay attention to this and monitor it and track it every single day for every single player, it's this kind of detail that Ohio State is becoming a powerhouse in basketball again. That's why Chris Holtman is the coach that he is and why Ohio State struck big with this guy. It's the same reason Ohio State is winning in football right now because Ryan D Ryan Day is detailed and he has he has found a lot of assistant football coaches that match his detail-oriented nature and his meticulousness. And that is what's happening with college bas or with Ohio State specifically and why they're becoming a college basketball powerhouse. I really like this because for instance, North Carolina, when they went down to Chapel Hill last week, the old school, the old way of doing things for this 930 game would be take a charter flight after the game back to Columbus, and you're probably going to get back to Columbus around 4 a.m. Chris Holtman recognized that they would have one day of practice and that they were going to be playing Penn State on Saturday, an early game, noon game. So they did not want to get back at four in the morning Thursday and have a noon game on Saturday when your guys are going to have a messed up sleep pattern Wednesday night. So what they did is they took some extra tutors. They did not have class on Thursday because of preparing for exams. So they took extra tutors with them to Chapel Hill. They stayed overnight in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and then came back midday Thursday after a study hall so that the guys could get normal rest at the hotel room and then come back fresh and not have it mess up their potential for the Penn State game on Saturday. What happened against Penn State? The Buckeyes come out, have their best shooting performance of the year, shooting 54% from three-point range, and score 106 points against a really good Penn State team. That right there, folks, is the attention to detail for your Ohio State basketball coach, Chris Holman. And it's not just sleep patterns. It's nutrition. It's conditioning. It's scheduling practices. It's the attention to the opponent's scouting reports. These things add up and why Ohio State basketball has two of the finest coaches in America right now. Another th- interesting thing, side note, a side discussion about the sleep pattern. I think this is also a, a contributing factor to why home court advantage has gone down in basketball in recent years. One little uh, note that I want to preface this discussion with, a lot of people have assumed home court advantage, home field advantage has to do with crowd noise and the ability of the crowd to impact games. And that's really actually not true. It's not that they have no effect, but they have minimal effect. It used to be in college basketball, for instance, that back in the 50s and 60s, home court advantage was worth about five and a half to six points. It came down for a long time to around four, and then it came down to three and a half. And recent years, we're finding home court advantages last few years in college basketball to be around 2.7 to three points per game. People assume that's crowd noise, but actually the biggest contributing factors to home court advantage and home field advantage in football actually has to do with travel and sleep patterns and going across time zones. 
It's said that circadian advantage is really big on your body. For every time zone you cross, it takes about 24 hours for your body to catch up. So if you go from East Coast to West Coast, three time zones, that means theoretically you need three days to catch up as far as your circadian advantage. So if you travel across the country the night before a game, three different time zones, your body is going to be messed up the next day for the game itself. Stuff like that is what has the huge effect on home court advantage and home field advantage. Travel is the number one factor. Circadian advantage is the number two factor. Actually, it's number one when you cross multiple time zones. Things like crowd support and surroundings, like shooting, shooting a basketball and officials impact on the game, especially a crowd that it can impact the officials. Those are things that do have a minor effect, but not as big as travel. So I think the, the coaches and programs catching up to sleep patterns here in college basketball in recent years is the reason why home court advantage has fallen. And same thing for college football too. Don't think that Ryan Day and his staff aren't aware of the impact that sleep patterns and nutrition and some of those other things can have on a body because they, uh, they understand it as well. Urban has, was really good about that. That's another reason why home field advantage in college football has come down about a point in the last 10 years. So these are really important things. The bottom line here to ballpark it is that Chris Holtman, a tremendous basketball coach, Ohio State is the number three team in the AP poll as of today. They are the number one consensus team in America right now in Ken Massey's composite ratings, which is basically just a collection of about 30 to 40 power ratings and polls across the country. So Ohio State at the moment is the consensus number one football team in the country by Ken Massey, and they are also the number one basketball team consensus in the country, also by Ken Massey. As I said, folks, Buckeyes football, Buckeyes basketball, all of the athletic department, Buckeye Nation, you have so much to be proud of. Soak it all in. Enjoy these next couple weeks. Whatever happens here on December 28th or going forward, whatever happens with Ohio State basketball this season, enjoy the show. Get out your Ohio State shirts. Fly your Ohio State flags. Just let the neighbors know that you are a Buckeye homer and proud of it. That's going to do it for the Locked on Buckeyes podcast. We have much more to talk about the next coming day, the coming days, coming weeks. We'll preview the college football playoff, more Ohio State basketball talk. You name it here on Locked on Buckeyes, your daily OSU football and basketball fix. Find Locked on Buckeyes on your favorite podcasting platform, Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio. Play Locked on Buckeyes on your smart speakers. Catch me on Twitter at KYLAM8. Catch the show at Locked on Buckeye. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you Wednesday.